Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. This episode also contains spoilers for Pandorum, as well as mild spoilers for Willow and Pathfinder. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which, when they are over, you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure. I will talk about it so that I don't have to see it again or whatever. So in a way, our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine. We wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap. We had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I am joined today by my good friend, Alex. How you doing, Alex? Better than I deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Better than you deserve. You are a gorgeous man, and you deserve every bit of happiness. Oh, thank you. Oh, you flirt. <laughs> uh, look, I'll see you after this podcast. All right. Hey. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're here to talk about not flirting with other men. We're here to talk about movies. Before we get into that, I want to ask you a question in general about movies, and I want to see where your head's at. What would you say is the movie that frightened you the most? Like, ever? Or, like, as a kid? Or... Just, you know, it could be both. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Yeah, dude. The, with the squids? Oh, dude. To this day, squids terrify me. I I never had quite that fear, although I have a very similar fear of uh, of anything that's underwater because I hate putting my head underwater. I liked... I like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but yeah, it... Super cool. Like, the whole, like, submarine, like, I love the classic design. It looks dope as shit. But if I watch, like, a Nat Geo documentary on, like, real-life colossal squids, uh, my, my palms are sweating and I'm sitting... <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on my couch and my palms are sweating. <laughs> Your mom's spaghetti? Mom's spaghetti, yeah. Man. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's a good answer. That's sort of, like, off... Uh, I guess a little bit off of where I thought you'd answer, but uh, so I think mine, my two, and I, I have two where it's just, I, I don't know that the second one would terrify me as much, much going back, but it terrified me at the time. The first one was Jurassic Park. I just, the kitchen scene, my cousins would chase me around all over the place. Like I got scared as shit watching that. I still can't watch it to this day. It, that's a childhood trauma that I just, anytime I watch Jurassic Park, go out of the room for that scene. Like, that just missed me with that. Anything else, I can handle in that movie. That scene, nope. The other thing for me, the scariest movie I think that I ever saw, it was probably two movies. It was Wreck 1 and Wreck 2. 
And I watched those movies at college. And as one does, I came back early from a break Mm -hmm. and there was nobody in the dorms. And as a result, half of the lights were out in all the dorms, like in the hallways and stuff. So the lights were half dimmed in all the hallways. I was there basically by myself in this giant, like, you know, (laughs) four story dormitory. My roommate wasn't back. And I decided to start at 2 a.m., start watching Wreck 1 and 2. And I watched them through. And after that, I am just sitting there huddled on my futon. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm thirsty, but I, I cannot go down the hallway to get ice from this ice machine. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die of thirst. I'm yeah. just gonna sit in this room and never come out until it's daytime. Yeah. It was terrifying. Uh, now, I think probably going back and watching the Wreck movies, I probably wouldn't have such a reaction. And also, I would do the sensible adult thing of watching them during the day. Yeah, that's right. Because then they wouldn't be quite as scary, and then I might be able to enjoy them more. Which I enjoyed them a lot. Like, they're yeah. some of my oh, favorite yeah. horror films. But uh, it's... Man, those scared me a what, lot. Let me ask. Which is... Which, uh, which like, one is your, like, scariest segment? Like, which oh. like, segment gets you the worst? Man, I don't know. I I think it's a tie between sort of the ending of Wreck 1 and there's a bit in the middle there of Wreck 2 where like after all of the soldiers and stuff go in where like they start getting like like everything starts ramping up and like that's just like it's the tension is built so well at the ramp up. I wouldn't say that that's the scariest part of the movie, but for me I was it was just like I was on a I was standing on like a thread of tension, right? <laughs> yeah. And anything would have like any time they basically just made any sudden movements at all, like I just flipped out because it was building it so well. So I think sort of like the halfway through that that movie where they start sort of like the, the soldiers go in and they start they start getting picked off, right? And they're just mm-hmm. building that tension is great. The, the ending of one though is just so good. Like it's so scary. Like I think those movies did the whole the whole time they built tension well. It's just it's hard for me to pick out a scene that I think is the scariest, but I think those stand out in my mind as like yeah. I remember being the most scared at those moments. Yeah. Like, oh my god. <laughs> the ending of the first one. <laughs> like when you like the first time like you see the person. Oh yeah. Like fuck. <laughs> like I was I was watching a clip of it I don't know, a couple months ago, like and yeah, just like that person. I was like like middle of the summer and middle of the day and i'm like no yeah i scary anyway so we're not here to talk about necessarily scary movies maybe i don't know we are here to talk about another movie and i'm going to read you a synopsis for that movie a rebellious army major is assigned to train and lead a dozen murderers behind enemy lines to assassinate foreign dignitaries and military officials it's the 13th warrior are we watching James Gunn's Suicide Squad? That or Lee Marvin in The Dirty Dozen. Oh, yeah, duh. We, realistically, all right, here, here's... We'll divert a little bit here. But Suicide Squad, the first one at least, I haven't seen the new, the James Gunn one. The first Suicide Squad was a passable remake, I think, of The Dirty Dozen with superpowers. It was okay. I haven't seen the James Gunn version. It looked kind of pretty good. It... So I will, I will gush about this. Okay, uh, have you seen I it? Yeah, phenomenal. I loved it so much. It's hilarious. 
Uh, it hits like all like I really love like the comic book weird like the weird comic book shit. So like they brought in like polka dot man and I'm like yes all right sign me <laughs> up. I really wanted those like C list super villains. Dude, that's so yeah like King Shark, polka dot man, Peacemaker, like yeah all those weird like Silver Age villains that they're like no like. We've remade them and given them some, like, weird fucked up, like, powers and backstory. <laughs> That's great. Like, I mean, I, I really like uh, What's-Her-Face's Harley Quinn. Um, uh, Robbie. Margot, uh, Margot Robbie. Robbie. Yeah. But, like, man, the thing that really was getting me... And, and I liked that they had, uh, I guess, King Shark in the first one. But, like, King Shark is just... I'm King, there for any time King Sh- Shark is in, in anything... Was it Killer Croc in the Killer, first one? Killer Croc on the first one. They got King Shark. In That's the right. It was one. Killer Croc. Because I thought it was King Shark for some reason. In my mind, I'm gaslighting myself, I yeah. guess. Because I'm like, oh, he was in the first one, wasn't he? No. Uh, Killer Croc was actually really good in the first one, yeah. uh, frankly. But in the second one, I'm there for King Shark. And, like, Idris Elba. Like, yeah. I, like no you matter who he more. plays. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, I'm, I'm there for that. And plus, like, I mean, it just looks fun. Like, I liked Guns, Guardians of the Galaxy, and it yeah. looks very similar in feel. Yeah, it's like that if Marvel had the balls to give him an R rating. Oh. And just kill characters. That's... <laughs> and make the characters not, like, good people. I'm there for that. It's, I... Yeah, it's... Imagine R-rated, R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're not good people. I'm down for it. Uh... And Idris Elba. Yeah. So, that movie, though, is not The 13th Warrior. It is not. Starring Antonio Banderas. It is also directed by John McTiernan, who directed Die Hard. Oh, hell yes. Yes. And it was written, the book, it was based on a book called Eaters of the Dead by Michael Crichton. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, Michael Crichton. Not not enemy of the show, Stephen King, but friend of the podcast, Michael Crichton. Unfortunately, he's dead, so I will, you know, as a personal friend of his, I will pass along, you know, yeah. you know, to all of you that he was a he was a great man and a good friend of the show. Yes. Um, you know, he can't verify it himself, but you know, just know yeah. that he was a good friend of ours. Yes. So, man, this movie. I didn't know that this movie existed, and I think there's a reason for that. For the longest time, I didn't know until our mutual friend Patrick said, "Hey, you guys should watch this, especially yeah. after we watched Congo." Yeah. So after Congo, I am just thoroughly one hundred percent in for this movie. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I am. I was. I've been wanting to watch this for a while. The synopsis I gave was definitely for the Dirty Dozen and or Suicide Squad, whatever, however you want to slice it. But this movie, it's Antonio Banderas. It's sort of a, I guess, a a Kevin Costner uh robin hood scenario where you've got the the moor who is now in the other inexplicable place and instead yeah. <laughs> of instead of focusing on you know kevin costner's robin hood it focuses on basically uh morgan, Freeman. morgan freeman's uh character yeah. basically and there's vikings instead yeah instead of english which is it's so better already it's we're winning in every in every possible way it can't it can't go get worse than this so do you know anything about this movie at all besides what we've talked about here? That, that's it. It's Antonio Banderas plays a Moor hanging out with Vikings. That's that's basically all I know. That's a, other that's than it. the trivia. That's all I need. So I'm going to get into the trivia and we'll go from there because some of this is just wild, dude. Question number one. 
The Thirteenth Warrior is considered one of the biggest flops in history, grossing thirty-two million domestically. What was its budget? Ooh. Was it A, 110 million, B, 160 million, or C, 105 million? Wait, give me give me again what year this movie came out. 1999. 99. Ooh. So like, peak Banderas. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's commanding a premium price. I'm going to say 110. 110. You're wrong. It's 160 million. 160 million. And it only made oh. 32 million domestically. It made now to to its credit, it did make 61 million in the rest of the world. Okay. But that's the rest of the entire world. <laughs> yeah. It made 32 million here. 61 Oof. million foreign and it cost 160 million dollars to make. That's a big move. Now, it has been noted here as well that about 60 or so million give or take of that was all on advertising wow it was the advertising budget yeah so and there were other reasons too uh i guess to kind of get into it but i'll get into that later but like with with that with that said that it flopped that bad what, <laughs> what do you think about a movie that because like it clearly wasn't a, a popular movie when it came to like obviously audiences and i've never heard of it even being mentioned by any critics ever yeah, i don't it's fascinating so like when you said it was like a you know a flop to the tune of 130 million dollars i was like i was like oh they must have they must have really messed up the advertising because like there are other movies that i remember like like seeing advertisements for Mm-hmm. from that year that like I didn't see or like I wasn't old enough to see like I have no recollection of ever seeing any ad for this see that's the thing is that it makes me wonder like did they did they try to gear it more towards an international audience since it Maybe. was had a higher international thing but then again like you never know what's going to like that's sort of a wild market, right? Yeah. Once you release it domestically, and then you release it, you know, for, in foreign countries, yeah. like it, it's it's just gonna depend on what's what's going on. But like, yeah, I have no recollection that this movie ever happened because, like, what was it, two thousand and one? Right, was Zorro? Yeah. Like, and I remember. I remember Zorro. Yeah. Zorro. Like, I never seen it until like maybe five or six years ago, maybe. Yeah. But like, I didn't see it at the time, but I remember ads. Yeah. Like. Uh, remember the ads for my the dad, Batman movies? Yeah, my dad was super hyped for it because my dad grew up on uh, a big diet of Zorro, like comics and, and oh yeah, you know, yeah, movies and stuff. My dad was a big Zorro fan, so that would make sense. I mean, like, and that, that's even weirder then because he was hyped for that movie with Antonio Banderas that like he didn't even hear about this other movie. Yeah, like that's just bizarre, man. Like you would have thought that we would have heard it, but yeah, you're right. That would be my first thought was that. Yeah, they messed up the advertising because like that that can kill a movie. Like we well, one movie we talked about on this podcast, Kangaroo Jack. Yeah, it was marketed as sort of a talking kangaroo kids movie. It really wasn't no. at all, and <laughs> that was just the MacGuffin in the movie. Which if they cut out, it would have been a passable gangster film with Michael Shannon. Yeah, <laughs> like, I um one movie I. Like, and I'm dying on this hill. John Carter of Mars by Disney. Mm -hmm. One of my 
favorite movies, like one of my favorite like sci-fi movies in the last uh, ten years, whenever it came out. Yeah, I love it. I saw one commercial for it ever. To my knowledge, I only ever saw one commercial for it, and it the movie flopped super hard because nobody knew it existed. And I will champion that movie till the day I die. I know that it exists. In my mind, I think the reason why I don't really... Because, again, I never saw any advertising for it. I think I might have seen one trailer. Like, once. But I always conflate it with um, Ghosts of Mars by John mm. Carpenter. Because okay. it's, it's, it's John Carter of Mars. John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. <laughs> it's very similar in my that's, head. You know, that's fair. I'm like, that's the movie with, where Ice Cube's on Mars, right? <laughs> it's not. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I might... You know, I'm going to mess around and watch that movie now because oh, I, I, I don't... I'm going to sell it to you in one sentence. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays a four-armed green alien. I am sold. Yes. That's that's all I need to know. That's, that sounds great. I, uh, yeah, I, I had no clue it really... Yeah, I, I didn't really have any sort of knowledge of it. But yeah, this movie is just... I think we've maybe even been like memory hold. That this yeah. movie existed too. It might have just even been intentional on the point of like on the part of like the studios and stuff and like the people that saw it. Like they just never talked about it. It's yeah. like it's like going to Vietnam and never talking about <laughs> your uh, your traumas there. Yeah. Hey, Uncle Stu. Like you went to Vietnam. What was it like there? Don't you ever ask me about <laughs> Vietnam, you little shit, and get me another beer from the fridge. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. and he's like he's got he's got one arm. Yeah. <laughs> and he's all he always wears fatigues. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, you just don't talk about it. It's like, I wonder if that was like the case with everyone that saw this movie in theaters. Like, no, we just don't talk about this movie. And then like the studio is clearly probably never like, they never advertised for like, oh yeah, here coming to home video. Yeah. So I never saw those either. You would think you would see them on like, cause I know I had just tons of VHS tapes and I'm yeah. sure you did too. And DVDs obviously yeah, yeah. when DVDs became a thing. There were just so many advertisements for movies that I have not seen, but I've seen the ads for them. Not in any of those have I seen this. Yeah. Like, n not once. Like, not even, like, because it probably would have been close to the time it came out. Like, Antonio Banderas. Oh, the new movie with him. Uh, oh, yeah, here, coming soon to video. Like, yeah. you know, here's, here's this or whatever. I, I don't know. It's just mind-boggling that I've never heard of this movie before. Yeah. It almost leads me to believe that maybe there was a conspiracy and cover-up because it did flop so bad. Like, <laughs> why? Who caused it to flop so hard? Who caused it to flop so hard? Yeah. Or or was it or is it just that it flopped so hard that they don't the studio just didn't want people to remember it. So they were <laughs> Hey, let's not talk about that not talking, failure. Yeah. So they could still get like funding from other people for yeah. other movies, you know? What? No, no, we definitely didn't lose a hundred. We definitely didn't lose fifty million. No, no, that was like Warner Brothers. Yeah, huh? was, yeah. That was no. It was, was Miramax. Me? No, that was us. That was <laughs> that was somebody else. You're thinking of a different person. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, so that that makes me even more excited in in a certain way to see something that is just such a huge flop. Frankly, it's after Jurassic Park too. Like, yeah. Everyone should have been like Michael Crichton, <laughs> like feed me more Michael Crichton. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's in Crichton's heyday. Yeah, this is this is Pete, this Pete Crichton. Crichton. Yeah, yeah, you've got the Jurassic Park franchise. You've also got ER, which is on TV and one of the biggest shows. Yeah, and his like, and he is not an insignificant author. Like every like no. a lot of people like knew him as like oh these are Michael Crichton movies, but like 
it was Michael Crichton's heyday. And unlike enemy of the show, I guess, Stephen King, who was sort of of a similar way, like, he was also big. Like, you, you watch Stephen King movies, yeah. you read Stephen King books. Like, you watch yeah. Michael Crichton movies, you read Michael Crichton books. They're yeah, two I, different genres, but, like, yeah, it, it was his heyday, man. Yeah, I, like, they were, like, huge, like, kind of, I guess, airport authors is the way I kind of think of them, is, you know, like, books that you buy at the airport. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to read read in the, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I throw, like, maybe, like, what was it? Tom Clancy, Dean yeah, Koontz. Tom Clancy, yeah, Dean, yeah, Koontz. all of them in there too, because those are kind of ones you see all over the place. But yeah, like definitely, you you would, I mean, you saw them everywhere. Like yeah. you, like even at like Kroger's, right? When yeah. you're buying groceries, yeah. they sell Stephen mm-hmm. King books there. They yep. sell Michael Crichton books there. Yeah, it's just they're so wildly popular, and it's it boggles my mind that this movie is just so, again, memory hold. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I. It could be for good reason, but damn, I'm... Like, maybe, it, there's, maybe there's some malicious intent. Maybe there is. So anyway, you, you, are, you are 0 for, 0 for 1 there, but let's, let's move on to another trivia here and see if you can guess this. So, one of the ships from the film was sold and is now being used as what? Is it A, a playground at Epcot? B a public stage or an amphitheater in Boston, or C, the roof of a small taco restaurant in Sweden? I'm going to say the roof of a taco restaurant in Sweden. You are wrong. Unfortunately, I wanted it to be that, but it is uh, a playground at Epcot in like their sort of Norwegian sort of land. So yeah, it is It is a roof, uh, not a roof. I wish it was a roof, but it is a, a playground at Epcot. I, I imagine that a lot of that, because like, they they apparently built like just full-size ships for this movie. Hell yeah. Like full-sized... Like full-size longboats? Full-size longboats. Wow. For this movie, apparently. And wow. like, <laughs> I guess they had to recoup some of their money. I guess it's sound financially i would love the absurdity of like oh yeah we've got this fleet of longboats all right we're gonna sell one to epcot we're gonna sell one to this guy who wants to use it as a roof for his taco restaurant yeah (laughs) like that would have been peak but uh yeah i I imagine they probably sold a lot of these props off to make money back for the movie so anyway so question number three we'll get right into this one due to reshoots and production trouble the 13th warrior was delayed how long was it delayed after the initial cut of the film was completed? Was it A, two years, B, three years, or C, four years? Three years. Three years. You are wrong. It is two years. Two years. So, fun fact about this. This movie, even though it was directed by John McTiernan, there is also an additional director's credit to Michael Crichton. Oh, during the test audience phase of the movie, it was so disliked that that they fired McTiernan and Crichton himself, the author of the book, went and reshot of like a large amount of the film. Wow. <laughs> so wow. not only do we get Michael Crichton as the writer, but he's also the director of some parts of this movie. Wow. And that's that's interesting, too, because, like, yeah, McTiernan, like, I don't know a lot of the other things he did, but, like, Die Hard was a great movie. Yeah. Like, and he, like, he has a solid eye for, like, action. 
Now, again, doing a modern action film is different from a historical action film, a period yeah. piece. So it maybe his skill set didn't translate. Yeah. So then again, Crichton generally doesn't do period pieces either. His he's there's more a, modern. There's a, there's one like time travel movie. Is there? Yeah. I have sworn there's like there's one where they like time travel back to the Middle Ages. Maybe there, maybe that is right. Uh, but again, hey, I've starring I, other friend of the podcast, Sean Bean. Oh yes, yes, Sean, Mister Mister Sean Bean. I I don't know that I've seen that one. I have. Well, you know what? No, that sounds actually very familiar. Now that you say that, it's Sean Bean, I might have seen it. I just yeah. don't remember it at all. Like I remember Sean Bean doing some time travel shenanigans. Yeah. So I've probably seen that. I just don't remember what it's called or anything else about it other than Sean Bean travels in time. That's all I remember of it, too, to be fair. It was like one of those like Hollywood video rentals. And then nah. for, Im- immediately forget anything that happened in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, so we're yeah, we're, we're piling up here on the I got one more question for you, but we're, we're piling up on the boy. This is. This is this is we're we're at a, a tenuous Jenga pile of is it gonna be good or is it gonna be bad? Because you pull out too many of those sticks and it's gonna fall on your head. <laughs> like So last question I have for you. The Thirteenth Warrior is based on the Michael Crichton novel Years of the Dead, which is based on what classic folktale? I can just answer this. You can one. just answer it? It's Beowulf. Ah! I figured this one would be an easier one for you, but I was hoping I could maybe trip you up. The other answers were it was uh I had the the Mabinogi, the Saga of the Volsungs, Gilgamesh and the Aeneid. I had a, I had extra things to trip you up, but like you already kind of knew about the Viking thing, so I'm like, ah, it's probably not gonna I was hope I was I cut that out of all my other questions of mentioning Vikings at all. Yeah. But you knew. So I what so one of the one of the first things I knew about this was like, I Pat had mentioned it, and then I looked it up, and somebody was selling. There's, there's a company out there that makes a replica of the sword Antonio Banderas has in the movie, mm. and they just mentioned something about like, like Viking fighting. I was like, I was like, all right, immediately. I immediately stopped reading it and was like, okay, I need to watch this movie. <laughs> So we have a movie that was historically one of the biggest flops of all time that also has been memory hold almost out of complete existence. It's got Antonio Banderas starring as a Moor fighting alongside Vikings in what is essentially a an adaptation of Beowulf. In the 1990s, in 1999, which is just a wild era of action films of the sort, of action adventures, like... And it's got Michael Crichton, it's got the director of Die Hard, and it's also got, it's just got all these other things to it. I, I am beyond excited about watching this movie. There's so much to unpack here, but I don't know that I really can or want to go into too much about it, just simply because, like, I mean, it's so wildly speculative, right? Yeah. Like, where you have something that's been this memory hold. Like, I, I, we mentioned it a little earlier. Like, has there ever been anything that you've seen that has just been this, like... Because that's a big flop. Yeah. Like, even flops, though. Like, you, you, you know about them, right? Yeah, I, I, so I'll say John Carter. I think oh, yeah, John Carter. Better. Yeah. Because that, I mean, that it, did flop. It, yeah. It's still up there as one of the most expensive movies ever. Yeah. 
and also one of the lowest grossing movies. I I think it might be like like mathematically like just looking at the numbers. I think John Carter might be like at least top three biggest flops ever. Mm. Criminally underrated. I, I'm hoping that's kind of where this will be because I feel like a lot of it. Maybe it was the audience expectation at the time versus us going back and watching it where I think will be the big difference, right? Mm -hmm. Because you and I, both huge nerds about stuff like this where we're like crossing genres, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, I I love that sort of thing. And, you know, throwing like people where they shouldn't be and back in time and making alternate timelines. I, I live for that. I live and breathe it. It's great. And in addition to, like at the time, I feel like it might have been one of those things where, and I haven't seen any of the marketing, but maybe it was just marketed, even though it was marketed heavily, it might have just been marketed poorly. Mm-hmm. Like, we're selling this on Antonio Banderas, he's a heartthrob, people love him, they want to get their butts in the in the, in the the cinema to see him, but then he's all with all these Vikings, like what's going on with that? Yeah. Like, why? Why is Antonio Banderas with Vikings? I guess a movie that I can say that is a lot like this, right? That um, have you seen the movie Pathfinder? Oh, that sounds starring good. Carl Urban, where he plays a, uh, a a Viking child who is abandoned in North America, yes. and then like the Vikings come, come back, back, and he has to help defeat them. Yes, yeah, and he uses like all the like skills he learned from the Native Americans to like just wreck the Viking shit. Yes, yes. It feels a lot like that. And I love, like, as cheesy as that movie is, I absolutely love that movie. Yeah, I, wow, you've dug up a deep memory. (laughs) I, yeah, I had the DVD in high school, and I used to watch it, like, all the time. It was, like, one of those movies I would, like, kind of fall asleep to. Yeah, I want to say I probably watched it at least, like, five to ten times. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of in one of those sort of areas of my life where, like, I watched that and, like, the other movie that I watched... And this is kind of like from high school into college, but uh, Pathfinder and oh God, what's the movie? That movie where Dennis Quaid is on the uh, that starship, and like it's like they wake up after a certain period of time, and there's like all these aliens on the thing, and it turns out that it was just humans that evolved on this spaceship that's really underwater the whole time. God, I can't remember oh, the name. Wow, of that, that movie. really sounds familiar. Oh, you know what? I, I have to actually look this up right now because I watched that. Like, you would think I would know the name of this movie, but I'm just awful with names. Kill <laughs> your cravings at the circus of values. Pandorum. Yeah, two crew members of a spaceship wake up from hypersleep to discover that all their colleagues are missing. Despite this, it appears that they are not alone. And it is starring Dennis Quaid, Ben Foster, uh, and then other people that I don't recognize. Oh, it's got Norman Reedus. Ooh. That, I want to say, it, it was in that sort of same period of time, right, where I watched, was watching sort of like Pandorum and Pathfinder, where it's just like they were all kind of synonymous to me because they're they're both kind of like these weird campy movies, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Pandorum at least has a good has a good twist. I think the story in that's maybe a little bit better than Pathfinder, and it's a little bit it's more horror. But Pathfinder definitely just had those like like this is no one that I know other than you and a few other people like this movie, and I can't find anyone who remembers this movie 
and it's kind of gotten memory hold. I don't think it had quite as big of a budget because it didn't have as big. Carl Urban was big, but not that big as Antonio yeah. Banderas. And like, it didn't have that huge of a budget. It didn't super flop, but it didn't really make money back. It was like, I remember it being like a Fox Searchlight movie. Yeah, it might have been like, yeah, like an indie film that was picked yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I don't it's know. Definitely like, like up Carl Urban's like. Exactly. <laughs> definitely his thing. Well, I mean, like I picked it up in like a like a bargain bin, I think, at Walmart or something yeah. like that. Where that's I where I got probably it. Probably how I got it too. <laughs> I was probably buying another movie and I was like, all right, well, this is in there. Yeah, it definitely reminds me, uh, this whole like looking up the 13th Warrior reminds me of that. And, and I think if it's at least pulled off well then i think i'm going to enjoy it it's going to be a fun ride i don't know what are you what are the conditions for you in this movie for it being good or bad i what do you gotta think be some good sword fighting that's like if we can get some good like you know just medieval action like you know just a good sword fight in i'll be happy i i think that the ridiculous premise of the whole thing is like it's already asking you to suspend disbelief, right? So there's a lot of things. I'm not really going into this movie for the story, but I want to go into it for not the story, but the lore, right? It's This movie is creating its own lore. Mm-hmm. And I think of the lore of like the, the universe that this movie is creating. Because there's a whole famous thing, and I, I couldn't quite make it into a trivia question, but they were talking about that this movie was part of a famous hoax, or the book was actually, that Michael Crichton based this movie or based this version of Beowulf on historical texts that he had found. And some of those quote unquote historical texts found their way into libraries and they were curated by librarians who thought they were real, but they weren't. So it was part of this big hoax that happened. So if it's, if the movie consistently does a good job of creating this new alternate universe, and like you said, it has good action I think I'm going to just be all in for this movie and really just enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah. Because I'm not expecting with this movie to be, I'm not expecting it to be like anything groundbreaking, I guess, when it comes to like, like obviously it's not Braveheart, right? Yeah. Like it's not Braveheart. It's not going to be like this big, like, ah, you know, they'll take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. There's not going to be any moments like that. I hope there are. I hope I'm just wrong. But like, I don't think there's going to be any sort of like, big iconic moments i think it's going to be a lot of good fun like almost goofy stuff for a while you know like that's the vibe i get from this Mm -hmm. movie and i think as long as it just doesn't trip on itself right (laughs) yeah as long as it doesn't you know get in its own way that that is the biggest thing i think if they lean too hard into like you know if there's like a love interest and they lean way too hard into that as Unfortunately, 90s movies are wont to do. They will lean heavily into that, like, ah, we're putting a love interest in here, whether you like it or not, whether it makes sense or not. The the studio wants wants to hit that demographic. Like, <laughs> the numbers say that they can get women in the seats by putting a, a love story in. So, hell or high water, we're gonna they're, they're we're referring, shoehorning a, a love a love story. They're referring this. back to that Moneyball spreadsheet of this is what's selling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I wonder maybe they moneyballed this movie too hard. Oh, maybe because they like because like look, you got Michael Crichton, you've got Tiernan who directed uh-huh. who directed uh, um, 
uh, Die Hard, you've got Antonio Banderas, and you've got people fighting Vikings. Like, Braveheart didn't come out that long ago. Like, yeah. you know, you know, historical dramas like that, really good. People like them. Maybe they moneyballed this, and it, and it hit, and it flopped hard. Yeah. That, that might honestly be, and it just didn't vibe, honestly. Yeah. Because, like, maybe Banderas didn't vibe with Vikings, man. Like, because I could, I could in theory see him because he's playing, he's playing a, you know, a man of Arab descent in this movie. He's very, he's very, uh, he's very Mexican. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that may not, depending on how he pulls that off, I, that, that could, but then again, like, I love Highlander. Yeah, I was, I was literally about, I was just about to say, I was like, (laughs) Highlander, you had, uh, he was, Scottish, a Scotsman playing an Egyptian Spaniard yeah. who had also gone to Japan and then was found himself in the Scottish Highlands. Like, yeah, and not only that, but Michael Lambert was you know playing a yeah. Scotsman who who was speaking English, but also couldn't speak English and only spoke French <laughs> and had a just a horrific accent. Like, no, that's that's what Scottish people sound like. Is, yeah, they just sound like. French people speaking an uh, the English language which they don't know like that's, yeah. that's what Scottish people sound like. <laughs> I I guess you bring up another good point. Highlander, I love Highlander. Uh, yeah. Right? Like Yeah. Cuz like that's got great sword fights. It's got just like this weird world that like it doesn't make any kind of sense. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to because you've got you've got people just sword fighting in the middle of New York City or wherever the hell it is. Like L.A., I don't remember what it was. Like, yeah, some whatever. big metropolitan city. Yeah, some big coke-filled city in the 80s. Yeah, and it's like, you just have this 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 guy trying to move on from this life that he once had, and then, like, and then it all comes back to haunt him. He's got a new girl, but he's got to fight, and then, Sean, he's got to avenge his former master, and, yeah. like, and then also you have potentially, like, maybe they're aliens? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I think they get into that stuff in, like, the sequels and the shows. Yeah, I after. I think, yeah, they get into that mostly in the sequels and shows. But, like, yeah, they definitely... It might be implied with the ending that there's something otherworldly happening yeah. here. And not supernatural. Like... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a while. I, I, I have that movie on Blu-ray. Like, I went out I, of my way to buy this movie on Blu-ray. I love yes. Highlander so much. I, I know some guys that were, like fully into like all the highlander lore like like kind of the way i am about dresden files like like they were about like the highlander series i i think at some point in time and this is sort of this is no one's going to understand this reference but at some point in your dresden files campaign we're going to have to throw in some sort of like highlander character arc yes <laughs> like i'm down i'm gonna try to convince patrick to make like a character that is basically just like the Kurgan or something <laughs> like his backup character after like Dr. Black just, yeah. just goes off the rails or dies or becomes an NPC or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, Oh, just look, look okay. you, you want to make a Highlander character. <laughs> look, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll just make the character for you. Just do it. And then we can throw in some, like there can be only one references and that's all yeah. I want. I just want someone to say that there can be only one and then there'd be a sword fight. Yeah. That's my humble like, request like, at some point yeah, in the future. No, I'm, I'm down with that. But I feel like also, <clears throat> I feel like you need that setting as a, like the setting of the 80s. I feel like that really. 
it whatever did, decade that is. Um, I feel like that's just part of it. I think I think it would. Yeah, because you need that. Like, I I think Highlander, and I think like a dude with a katana and a trench coat. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and then you also have like the dude in like the eighties punk rock, yeah, like coming yeah. back with like the giant sword walking into the church. Yeah, like it, it's it's very wild, and you could mm-hmm. only have that in the eighties. Yeah. So what you're saying is we're going to have another time travel arc, right? I think I'm going to have to shoehorn another time travel arc in. <laughs> or uh, it could just be a flashback thing. This will be, oh, it'll be Steven's like early years. Oh, oh, that'll be, oh man. Okay. Yeah, it'll be a flashback arc. It'll be a flashback arc. That's, I'm here for it. Anyway, no one will understand any of these references, really, that we've been going on about. Uh, I guess back to the 13th Warrior. I get the distinct feeling I am absolutely going to love this movie. And it is going to... I'm going to look at all of those people from 1990. And I'm going to think, what in the hell was wrong with you? I I get that feeling. You absolute fools. You morons. (laughs) You were given gold. (laughs) They give you solid cinematic gold. And you squander it. You didn't even leave it for us. Like, you you memory hold it. You put it. You locked it in a hole deep in the ground and buried it, and didn't even let us try to like. Didn't even let us have it. Like pearls before swine. Right. That's exactly what it is. I I get the feeling. I guess with that said, do you have anything else that you want to say about this movie, or I guess just any of these things we've been talking about in general? No, but I'm very excited. I'm super excited to watch this movie. All right. On a scale of zero to five, Snake Pliskins, what do you think you're going to rate? The Thirteenth Warrior. Give three point six. Three points. Oh, you're doing the Michael thing now. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I guess. No, maybe. it's fine. No, I'm fine with that. I'm writing it down. It's three point six. Because it, it felt it's better than it's better than three. Not as good as a four. Better than three point five. It's still not a four. So. I I don't know. I want to just go balls to the wall and give this a four point five. I, I really, truly want to do that because it, it's hitting all the marks for me. Like, you get classic Banderas. You've got, like, a Crichton film, which, you know, I know are just, like, they can be buck wild, right? You've yeah, got buck wild can't be crazy shit. The Beowulf tie-ins, which I love Beowulf. I'm all about that, like, Norse sort of northern mythologies. You know, any kind of mythology, honestly, I'm a sucker for. Yeah. And, and then you've just got, like, you've got Vikings, you can't go wrong with Vikings. I, I want I want to give this a 4.5. And I'm going to do that, knowing full well I'm probably going to be disappointed with that rating, but I want it to be that good. And I, I just get the feeling that if it, if it hits everything just right and it's not offensive enough, if it doesn't shoehorn that romance in too hard, if it doesn't, you know, get in its way too much, I know that it's going to be a, at least a 4.5 of enjoyment for me. So I'm, I'm going to go 4.5. Just balls to the wall Hell with yeah. this one. All right. With that being said, we'll go watch this movie and we'll see you guys on the other side. They bid me take my place among them in the halls of Valhalla, where the brave may live forever. Teeth like a lion, head like a bear, claws that could tear a plank to kindling. Come in the night, the mist. Always in the darkest, like they could see in the black. This gentleman has the look of a great warrior, no doubt he's very brave. He grips his sword as if afraid he would not wake. An 
You know he might be mad. She says the 13th man must be no North man. These are guests at what is still my table. Wars are won in the will. Perhaps you've been fighting in the wrong field. If it's a man, it must sleep. If it sleeps, it has a lair and we have a trail. My father's father always warned of it. He said it was a hate from all times. <laughs> we are hunted now in our own land. The 13th warrior is you. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by Alex. Ola. Ola, indeed. We just got back from watching The 13th Warrior starring Antonio Banderas. Yeah. From 1999, directed by John McTiernan of Die Hard fame and also Michael Crichton. Yeah, oh yeah. Dude, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in that movie. There's a lot to unpack, man. Like... I don't even know where to start with this one. Like, I, I'm i going to say this right away. I really liked it. Yeah, same. Right? Okay, cool. That I'm glad we're on the same page on that one because this movie was, it was buck wild. The it 90s was. were a different time. <laughs> they really were. But man, dude, like, there's a, there's a lot going on with this movie. And we were kind of watching it because I watched it with my wife and... We were just, like, thinking, like, man, this is, like, a whole bunch of movies, like, just mashed together. Like, there were elements of, like, horror. There were elements of, like, just, like, crazy action. You know, there was drama. There were, like, literally this movie has everything you could want. Because mm-hmm. it felt like at moments where it was like, oh, yeah, there's moments where this feels like Bone Tomahawk. But then there's other moments where this feels like Highlander. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just buck wild how many genres it spans. I, I don't know. I. I'm going to throw the floor to you because I don't even know where to go with this. Like, what what are your thoughts on this movie as a whole, I guess? I I want to I want to live in the alternate reality where we got more films like this. After the after the movie, I'm going to this is the quote uh, and I think I posted this on Twitter. My wife said, "How did this flop? Who flopped this?" Yeah. <laughs> because like I I can see, all right? If you are a if you are a standard moviegoer audience, like we watched the trailer because afterwards we're like, all right, we, we have to see like, did the trailers lie? Cause all of this, the money was spent on the budget. Did they lie to people? Was it like a kangaroo Jack thing where it's like, oh yeah, it's about this kangaroo. No, it's kind of a gangster movie. Like what happened? Like really the trailer kind of gives you pretty much everything. It doesn't really hide like the fact that there's, I mean, it's kind of that standard nineties, like, uh, in a, in a world where, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. But it doesn't shy away from showing, like, the weird horror elements of the movie. Because yeah. I thought, like, oh, yeah, people are just turned away by, yeah, this movie is like a horror movie now for, like, a good half an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's it's just weird. And then again, like, it had some of the, like, the greatest scenes that I think I've ever seen of, like, um, people learning a language. Like, that scene at the yeah. beginning, the montage, where he's, that like, slowly learning the language. So good. It, it was honestly maybe the best i've ever seen of a scene like that yeah i i love that they didn't like hand wave that away no yeah it's like oh yeah he just knows this language no he no. he spent nights like doing this and like eventually like he like and they're butting heads about it like oh who who, who taught you this language yeah it's like no nah, i listened 
that's so cool. Yes. I I really wish more properties would do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that's, I mean, realistically, like, that's kind of the way you learn. I'm like, I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to languages. I can't learn languages. I'm, I'm just dumb at it. But like, that is the way you kind of like, according to everyone I know, like when you learn a second language, like you start thinking in that language too. Mm-hmm. Like you hear it and you start hearing it in your own language. That was such a great way of doing it because they're like, all right, clearly this movie's in English, right? Yeah. But the movie is from uh, Banderas' character's standpoint, who is a Moor. He clearly speaks like Arabic or, mm-hmm. or you know, one of the regional dialects of Arab- Arabic. And that's the default language. So I love the fact that none of the Vikings spoke like yeah. you didn't hear them speaking in English, quote unquote, a common language until that character, uh, Ibn Al, uh, what's something or another. Ibn Al something, whatever. Banderas' character learns the language and you start hearing it. Yeah. Like as English. Mm-hmm. But, it was probably the, maybe the, the second best or best tied transition from uh, a foreign language to English since Inglorious Bastards. Like yeah. <laughs> where it's like, ah, my German is not good. Ah, my French is not good. Do you speak English? Yeah. Okay. I think the only other time I can think of in a movie where they did something like this was Valkyrie with Tom Cruise. I hadn't I haven't seen Valkyrie. So it's like from what I recall it like it starts out with him like speaking German and then it just like like sort of like fades and then like transitions into English and it just tells you all then and there that like no, they're speaking German, but like, we're not going to just do this whole movie in German because American audiences don't have a palate for that. I wonder, you know what? I wonder if that was the reason because they actually uh, were speaking for a very long time with subtitles. Yeah. Like that was, honestly, that was a large chunk of the film, even though it was really just the beginning sort of setup. It was probably a good 20, 25 minutes yeah. of just, uh, yeah, there's, there's subtitles here. Like everyone's speaking subtitled. Yeah. Except for when uh, Omar Sharif is like basically like telling Banderas' character, which again, Omar Sharif was in this movie. I didn't realize that <laughs> yeah, right away. Yeah, for real. Uh, when he was like, oh yeah, here you go. Here's the thing. Um, man, this movie just did so much stuff, dude. Like it did so much stuff. Like the romance yeah. that they had in there. It wasn't shoehorned. It was yeah. like, oh, we're going to die. Uh, cool. Uh, I like you. All right. I like you too. Cool. Let's just yeah. go and do our thing. Yeah. And it's like, and at the end he left and there wasn't like anything else to do about it. It was just like, oh yeah, it was kind of a fling I had when I was thought I was going to die. Yeah. I Like, I'm just so happy they didn't shoehorn some weird oh, no. romance into this movie. Yeah. And again, maybe, because again, that was a big thing that movies did back then. True. Maybe... <clears throat> Maybe you get the subtitles. Maybe you get the unexpected, like, really scary horror elements. Like, because there was, like, part of it was, like, when they were down in the caves, it was somewhere, like, it was, like, bone yeah. tomahawk, like, the descent levels of, like, we're being chased by these things. Yeah. Like, they're clearly human at this point. We understand that they're actual physical humans. Yeah. They were, like, human plus. Human they were... asterisks. They were human. They were the human variant. Yeah. Uh, the D and D human variant. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, man, they were yeah definitely more than just humans. But like yeah, I guess biologically speaking, they were probably pushing up glasses, human beings. Yeah. But man, it it was a thrill ride the entire way. Yeah. 
Like, and, and the ending, too, where, where they're all... I, that's the one thing I think maybe was maybe a little bit disappointing for me was sort of that last fight scene. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, ah, no, like, Bullvife just kind of like, ah, all right, cool, I've killed the guy. And then they all leave. And it's like, oh, that was kind of a weird scene. Like, I thought it was going to be like that moment where it's like, everyone else is fighting around them on the battlefield. And they, like, lock eyes and they walk towards each other. Like, yeah. have you have you seen um Willow? Once long, long ago. Well, there's basically a scene at the end, not to spoil it too hard, but essentially there's a scene at the end where, like, Val Kilmer, uh, who plays Mad Mardigan, the greatest yeah. swordsman to ever live, as he claims, uh, which I believe, because he's Val Kilmer in his prime. Like, yes. you can't just say no. no to that. Like, yeah, you you are. Uh, he basically fights the, the big head honcho, like, the general of, like, the, the evil sorceress's army. And... They basically, they're storming this castle and they look at each other and they just walk towards each other just like, nope, there's a there's this, this guy coming up to try to cut me off. Nope, just cut him down easily. And then they have this big ass fight right in the middle of everyone fighting. And it was a great climactic fight scene where it's like, oh yeah, you've killed my friend. I'm going to kill you back. Like, ah. And they didn't have that in this. It was just kind of like, I just, off the horse. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. That's like it? the lead up to it was just so good where they're all chanting the death like chant yeah. dude and then it kind of like uh he's dead yeah that that was probably the the thing i was most disappointed about with this movie was just mm -hmm. felt a little anticlimactic there and i wonder how much of that i can blame on reshoots or anything like that but like damn i just i want to go back to 1999 and punch people who didn't like this movie yeah that, like, don't, I'm not, if I get a time machine, I'm not going back in time and punching Nazis. I'm not going to go back and kill Hitler. I'm not going to go back and, you know, tell people to avoid, like, it's like, ah, no, here, Mr. Captain of the Titanic, steer this way. Like, nothing like that. Fuck just, all that. Yeah, screw that. I'm going back in time to the movie theaters where this was released. I'm going to ask every single person who comes out of the theaters on release night, did you like this movie? And if they say no, I'm going to punch him in the face and then walk away. Punch him until they did. They say they did like it. <laughs> just punch him. It's like, go back and watch this movie. Go back and watch this movie. It's like, okay, okay, okay. I'll go back in. I'll give it another chance. Yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. Because... I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm just going to start bribing people to like write good reviews for it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Just like that. You know, I, I always. friends. I almost kind of wonder like. What was, I, I'm almost actually really curious now because like, obviously that was the heyday of Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. Right. I'm kind of wondering like, what did Siskel and Ebert give this film? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, I want to see what their take on it was, but like, yeah, it was, I, I don't, I don't know why that movie didn't do better. Cause what we got, when did, when did Fellowship come out? It was like, what, a year, two years later? Uh, it was 2001, maybe the end of... I think No, it was the end of 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not like it's not like audiences like weren't down for a fantasy movie and like yeah. swords and stuff. Well, and even before that, you had other fantasy sword movies, which again, historically, before Lord of the Rings, they didn't do as well, but they never really flopped. Like, you, like I had mentioned, you had Willow. Yeah. You had Highlander, which by all accounts, like most people say it's a bad movie, but it's still a cult status yeah. film. At least Highlander has that. Yeah. I still think Highlander is one of the greatest movies ever made, but... 
like, you'll never change my mind on that. But, like, it does have its criticisms. There are criticisms of it for a reason. But, like, people still know about it, and they still liked it. Yeah. Right? It didn't flop as hard as this. I, I don't know. It just it just boggles my mind. I, I have to imagine it was because there was no shoehorned romance, and there was no, like, like the, it was subtitled for such an uh, absurdly long amount of time, and there was this broadside of just this because like it it was it was gory honestly yeah like the bit where they went to that like the first cabin where they were hunting the the ghosts yeah 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 and it was just like everyone was dismembered <laughs> yeah. it's like oh shit <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> they're, they're not pulling punches today yeah i i don't know all right all right here I, i've pulled it up so Roger Ebert gave the Thirteenth Warrior one and a half stars. Ooh, <laughs> enemy of the show, Ebert. Enemy of the show, Robert Ebert. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I might have to add him to the list. It's, yeah, it's Ebert and and uh, Roger Ebert, Stephen King, uh, and Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> enemies of the show. Arriving at last, more than a year after it was completed, the Thirteenth Warrior shows every sign of a production run amok. With budget said to be more than $100 million, it displays a lot of cash on the screen, but little thought. To extract the story from the endless scenes of action and carnage is more effort than it's worth. No. No, I disagree with that. Like, I... What? Like, wait. Hold, all right, all right. We're going di- to we're gonna dissect Roger Ebert's review here. Yeah. What? Okay, hey. Since when is a whole bunch of action on screen a bad thing? Yes. I, I agree. B... Even if you're, like, passingly familiar with the story of Beowulf, like, you can figure out what's going on here. Yeah, it's, like, and I hadn't read Beowulf since high school. Same. Right? Like, And I'm like, I know what's going to happen. Like, I, I, and I remembered it, because I'm like, oh, uh uh-huh, okay, yeah, Bullwife, yeah, and he's, okay, there, ah, mm mm-hmm, okay, yeah. Yeah. It just all made sense, because it's like. There's there's the intrigue at the at the um, at the Danish court. Yeah, you know, obviously not the Danish court in this movie. It's yeah. a little bit different, but ba- yeah, you get it. Like the yeah. story is not that hard. Like it doesn't. It's a real simple story. There's... I think that might be what he's saying is like, oh yeah, there wasn't too. There, it wasn't complex enough for him. But like, does it's, it, did it need to be? It's Beowulf. <laughs> it's it's a piece of classic literature. You know, it's like you. I mean, like. Beowulf, Gilgamesh, like, yeah. you know, all of those sort of style of stories. It's, all right, the big hero, who is also a king, because the king has yeah. to be the hero, goes and helps either another king or the or the people yeah. to kill a monster. And then he either dies or comes back. Like, yeah. that's... That's it. That's it. It's the story. <laughs> and you throw in a whole bunch of, like, superfluous shit on this. Like, this movie had so much more plot than that, honestly. Yeah. It's like... They really did throw in the sort of like, I guess that's the only real thing that they didn't kind of like show because they had this whole like, I guess, bit of like intrigue at the castle where it's like, oh, the the son is going to betray them and he never did. Like, I guess that that would be, to be fair, for Roger Ebert here. uh, Yes, they never did anything with that storyline, which... I kind of thought they might, but it's like, I know the story, so I'm like, no, they're not going to do anything yeah. with it. Like, that's just the way it goes. Anyway, I, I don't know. So anyway, all right, so that's, that's, that's this point here. The film seems to have been conceived from the special effects down. Instead of beginning with a good story, 
Okay, throwing shade at Beowulf. All right, cool. We've we've already we've already taken care of that point. <laughs> yeah. And then adding FX as needed, it apparently began with FX. Then the story was shoehorned into the pauses in the action. Again, like, do do you not watch action movies, Roger Ebert? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like the whole thing. Yeah. Like, you have an action spectacle. At, like, one of my favorite mindless action films, right? Crank. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's just. It's so dumb. It's absolutely yeah. dumb. But are you there for the plot? No. Do you care that Jason Statham has to have high adrenaline or he's going to die? The only reason you care about it is because of the action. Yeah. The action is the thread that connects the things. In this, in Beowulf, that's the whole point of it, is that these are warriors doing warrior shit. Yeah. Like, it's just one fight to the next. Like Yeah. And it's like you follow these threads... They go and they kill the big monster that's, you know, fighting them. I thought for a second we were actually going to get a real-ass dragon out of this movie. I was really hoping for I, it. Dude, like when they're like, oh, the Serpent of Fire, I'm like, are oh, they really shit. be wild and are they going to do this? And then I'm like, oh, it was slightly disappointed. I was, yeah, I was disappointed about that. I was yeah. just like, oh, it's, it's a line of people carrying torches. But I get, like... And I guess that's the whole, like, point of the... Because obviously Crichton did the, uh, the yeah. adaptation, Eaters of the Dead, which... Yeah, he's not going to have a dragon in it, unfortunately. Michael Crichton, why? But, like... He gave us dinosaurs. If, if that's true. Like, dinosaurs dinosaurs are just, like, what we got in real life instead of dragons. So just... Yeah. See, no, no, no. All right, I can... 100%, though. I, I can refute Roger Ebert's point here of this is an FX-driven movie because if it was, we would have gotten a dragon, yes. an actual dragon, in the movie... And it wouldn't have been, like, a bunch of dudes dressed up as bears with torches. Like, that's... Yeah. We would not have gotten that. Like, it, if it was a if it was an actual FX uh, uh, then story thing, we would have gotten a dragon. So, screw you on that. Let's see. It could have been different. This could, indeed, have been a fascinating tale. Based on The Eaters of the Dead, a 1974 novel by Michael Crichton, the story combines two intriguing sources... One is the real-life adventure of Aben, uh, of uh, Ahmed ibn uh, Faldan, an Arab poet, yada, 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 who traveled to the north. The other is the Old English poem Beowulf. At some point in the early production, it was apparently determined that the endless scenes of long-haired Vikings in sword fights would be more interesting than telling these stories. No, that's kind of the story. That's, that, that is the story. That's, that's literally the story. I get the feeling that Roger Ebert never read Beowulf. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like a complex story. Yeah, I don't... Dude fights three different monsters and becomes king. Yeah, like, what do you want? Uh, Antonio Banderas, perhaps hoping for another swashbuckling success like Mask of Zorro, stars as Ahmed, a poet who has the misfortune to fall in love with the king's wife. Threatened with dire consequences, Ahmed, uh, advised by a veteran courtier, uh, Omar Sharif in cameo, uh, prudently travels north as an ambassador to the Vikings, where he see, is seen as a curiosity and a challenge. The Norsemen, the, Nor- the Nor- Norsemen, I can't speak, cheerfully insult him, confident he doesn't understand him, but a montage shows yada, 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 yada. Soon he is called upon to recite a poem at a funeral, a scene that develops inadvertently into a hilarious version of history's first poetry slam? What? I don't, uh, I don't get... I- yeah, I no, no, I don't. I don't agree with that one. It didn't. It was not a poetry slam at all. Like yeah. it, it was pretty. Like honestly, I have to say, it felt fairly like authentic to yeah. me. Yeah. Like being into nerd shit, like that. Yeah. It didn't feel out of place. No. 
right? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're wanting bad poetry slam, right, go check out our episode on So I Married an Axe Murderer, which features actual bad slam poetry. <laughs> Whoa, man. Times are tough for the Vikings, a mysterious tribe of enemies who believe, who believe they possess the spirit of bears present a flesh-eating threat. They have returned, as I recall, from ancient times. Thirteen warriors must be chosen to fight this evil. Ahmed, of course, is destined to be the thirteenth. He's a poet, not a fighter, but quickly learns to wield a broadsword. Not really. Not really. Yeah, he kind of he kind of uses it, and then he's like, oh, no, I grind it down and do yeah, this thing. Yeah, he makes a scimitar, yeah, which he makes is it... dope as shit. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's cool. I, oh, I yeah. love that. Uh, and that's about it, except for miles and miles of carnage. It's a little unsettling to sit through the nonstop slaughter and then witness a pious conclusion that celebrates a useful servant of God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. For for those who can't see what he's doing, he's making a slow back and forth motion with his with his hand. Yeah. <laughs> the movie's director of record is John McTiernan of Die Hard fame. Although after an earlier version of the film performed badly in sneak previews, the new scenes were reportedly shot under. Uh, the direction of Crichton. It's all to no avail. The 13th Warrior is another example of FX run wild, lumbering from one expensive set piece to the next without taking time to tell a story that might make us care. And that is the end of Roger Ebert's yeah. review. Man, I could not disagree with that more. It, yeah, absolutely. Like, yes. Is it is it kind of dumb, mindless action at points? Kinda. But, like... What else? Why? Why what, would you want? What else, else is this movie? Like honestly, I could, it, 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 given the time, if I go back and I watch through it, I could probably make the same argument about the Mask of Zorro. Yeah. Like, like honestly, what what's the story of the Mask of Zorro? It's literally just a guy who like is literally like, all right, I'm here for revenge. Cool. Yeah. That's the, that's the story. Yeah. And then there's another guy who mentors him, and then he becomes Batman. <laughs> like, <laughs> He becomes proto Batman. He becomes he becomes Batman, but in the past, <laughs> yeah, in the future, in the past. Uh, like, dude, what more do you want? Like, I think I here's I guess the thing. I know that there are some people, and I know probably some people in this audience even who really just dumb action movies are not their forte, and that's perfectly fine. I, I yeah. get that you need a little bit more substance for a movie sometimes. Like, and I I I have to be in the mood for a dumb action movie. And I yeah. also have to be in the mood for, like, a viscerally off, like, viscerally, like, gut-punching horror film, too. It just depends on what mood I'm in. But, like, it's such a big pretension that film critics have about these action films. Like, yeah. why, why do you think that is? I don't know. Because I, I, I just have the head so far up their ass. That they, like, like, there's room for, like, like a cheeseburger and fries... As much as there's room for, like, you know, a Chilean sea bass with, like, you know, an orange reduction or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like, this movie is, it's a cheeseburger and fries, you know? Like, yeah. it's, there's no comp, there's nothing complex there. Like, you don't have to, like, suss out, like, intricate flavor. It's, it's, everything is right there. It gives you exactly what it advertises. Yeah. Swords I, and fighting. And like I said, I went back and I watched the trailers for this movie. It does not deceive you in what it is because like yeah. they show 
they show everything. Like, they don't hide anything. Like, they maybe play up a little bit, like, the romance a tad more. Like, like oh, like, he was a, you know, uh, like, the woman he loved, yada, 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 and, the like, the king had him banished. Like, they feels like that's a little played up. But that notwithstanding, like, the whole trailer doesn't lie to you. Yeah. It, it, I think what it is is that, realistically, film critics honestly make their living off of, one... And I guess you could even ravel this into a bigger conspiracy, but really what it is is like, you know, people are going to like movies whether or not a critic says that that it's good or not, right? Yeah. And critics have to make a way for themselves by being critical. Again, it's in the name. They have to be critical of something, right? They can't just say, oh, this is a good movie. Yeah. Because otherwise... You're not really a critic. Yeah, you're not really a critic. You're not justifying your existence. I wonder if there are any, and I'm sure that there are, like, I know a couple of people that are like this. Uh, my buddy Chris, for example, like, he, he's become one of those people over time where he's just like, nope, every other movie is bad. Um, the Fast and the Furious movies are the only good movies in the entire world. And if you are like that, then you're good. If you are not, you're bad. Like, <laughs> pretentious, heady horror films? Nah, not just, just they're bad. <laughs> they're yeah. bad now. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe maybe you could have someone who's like the nega critic who is like ah yeah. I only I only see bad things with like ah yes a twenty four films fuck those movies yeah <laughs> like uh, here's why they're bad um, yeah like a, the the Coors Light stand yeah yeah, yeah. Of movies exactly and and I think there's room for both honestly but I think yeah it's just I think it's just the nature of criticism like as much as I hate Robert Ebert for his take on Thirteenth Warrior based on that review, I'm like, I, I'm not really surprised. I think that his criticism was honestly very disingenuous. Yeah. But then again, I guess the dude's got to make a living, so he's yeah. got to shit on this thing that is genuinely, honestly, not bad. In in yeah. fact, good. Very good and fun. Like, also, like, if you went into it looking for something like The Artist, or, you know, I can't think of another, like, weird heady drama movie you know mm -hmm. something like that like this isn't that but also it never pretended to be that no it didn't uh i like like i said i think it never lied about what it was and i think that this movie realistically it deserves a lot more than it got i i again the people that flop this if, if you if you dear audience listener watch the 13th warrior when it came out or in theaters or, or around the time when it came out and you didn't like it, just stop listening to the show because I hate you. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. <clears throat> Keep listening to the show. Your taste needs to be adjusted. That, okay. That's maybe a little bit more fair. I was harsh to you, dear listener who, who hates this movie. Go watch this movie because honestly, like, yes, you're not going to get anything crazy. I, I think realistically there was a lot here to be fair, that was a little bit more artsy than Ebert even gave it credit for. Yeah. Because a lot of it really was like, there was a lot of prose in, the, in yeah. the dialogue, right? A lot of it was very prosaic. It was it very, it felt reminiscent of what Beowulf is. It's, yeah. it's a simple story about these guys doing this thing. And it had, it had moments of action. It had gory scenes. It had a very light romance. It had some decent... Honestly, I think that's the thing that really was the biggest thing about it is that like, like the character development between Banderas and all of the other characters, especially um, I don't remember his name now, but the the one who uh, initially talks to him, yeah, uh, 
the shorter red-haired dude with the long hair. I, I don't remember his name. For the life of me. Who eventually starts calling him little brother. Like, yeah. that. that is such a good, like... Like, there's such a good set of... Like, their characters smelled so well together. Yeah. And, like, you feel like it's a real friendship. A real relationship that yeah. these people have developed. And it's genuine. Because it's like, oh, yeah, we're brothers in arms now. Yeah. They're, like, talking... <clears throat> like, giving each other shit about stuff. Like, when he, like... He grinds the uh, the sword down into, like, a scimitar. They're yeah. like, oh, like, what are you doing with that little dagger? Yeah, and then he, like, whirls it around and they're like, oh, okay, like, yeah, right. this... this this might be legit. Like they're like, all right, but then they still like shit on it a little bit, you know? They're, yeah, you know, they're still busting his balls about it. Yeah, they still make fun of him, and like even the parts where they're making fun of his horse. Yeah, and it's like, oh, why do you ride a dog into? <laughs> yeah, into fi- and it's funny too because like that's a huge insult in Islam. We're calling anyone or anything a dog because oh, dogs yeah, are yeah. unclean. Yeah, and you should not be compared. I didn't like, even think of that. The only other, the only other thing that you might like call someone that is worse than calling them a dog is a pig yeah and i think honestly dog is worse like because yeah. it's like it's like they give him shit about that and he like goes and proves like ah, i can ride this horse it's like yeah oh, this mm-hmm. horse is fast this he can horse jump fast. And, yeah. yeah okay okay we get it we're still gonna make fun of you but we get it yeah <laughs> like it was just this great like moment of like dudes being bros with each other yeah like it's this group of dudes who know each other they're great, and then this other guy comes in. They don't like him at first, and then it's like, oh yeah, he's now part of the group. We accept yeah. him. Like, it's a great, it's a great dudes being bros, yeah, like movie or bros being dudes. Like any any way you want to slice it, it's great at doing that. And I think that that is what was really overlooked by maybe Roger Ebert in that is that really the chemistry was so good yeah. between all the characters. Uh, like I said, the, the light love interest, you know, Bullwife and his sort of like band of merry men, band of merry men. And like even his sort of like almost more stoic warrior yeah. type, yeah. like, cause they all have like slightly different personalities where it's like, yeah. you've got glimpses of it. Um, the old King where it's like, you know, ah, yes. Do, speaking of Lord of the Rings though, when he <laughs> walked in that hall, I'm like, and like all the advisors were talking to him, I'm like. Uh, I was, it was just reminding me of, uh, Gandalf walking into, yeah, uh, Theoden's hall. hall and it's like, <clears throat> Gandalf, Stormcrow. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, this is, this is that scene. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a couple years ahead of it. Yeah, I know. Some audiences just weren't ready yet. I, I think this movie came out a couple years too soon. Cause, yeah. Cause I, like, if you jump forward, like three, four years, like. Like, any kind of fantasy movie was, like, getting picked up and played in theaters, you know? Yeah. Like, there was just, like, after Lord of the Rings came out and showed, like, how, like, absolutely great a fantasy movie could do. Like, we just got tons of fantasy movies. Yeah, and I think even still, though, you don't get... I think they're much more accepted now. You don't really get all that many now, because we're in the superhero craze yeah. uh, of everything. And I think that's slowly starting to die off as, as the natural course of things. But I think you haven't really seen, like, a huge, like... Because, like, anytime someone does, like, a good fantasy, like, it's still... Like, people still generally tend to accept it a lot yeah. more than they did previous to Lord of the Rings. And I think, yeah, maybe this movie came out just a year or two too early. Yeah. Like, if this came out after Lord of the Rings, like, yeah, probably it would have been... Like, it probably wouldn't have flopped, frankly. If they would have just been like, all right, we're going to wait, like, two or... We're going to see how this movie does. Yeah. We're going to see what this does, you know? But obviously, they spent so much money on it, they couldn't do that. Yeah. 
dude, I don't know. that This movie was, it was solid. It had good, good choreography. Um, like, even the soundtrack was pretty decent. Like, because it, it had, like, a lot of that sort of, like, old Norse yeah. sort of, you know. As, the soundtrack, like, yeah, the score to it, I was like, I was like, man, I just, I, I thought to myself, I was like, I gotta play this the next time I run a D&D session. Yeah, honestly. It, it, it really did feel almost like um some of it was like out of a, because you've played The Witcher 3, right? Yeah. Yeah, it felt a lot like that. Maybe not quite as much of a banger as yeah. The Witcher 3 soundtrack, but it was like, it was kind of like straddling the line of like that sort of Celtic sort of witchery, but yeah. also like big budget score. Like yeah. it was, it was a really good score. And I, I tend to not really, I tend to not really focus on scores that much, but like this one kind of stood out to me as being like, yeah, this is unique and good. Like it, yeah. it was good. I don't know, man. Any, what other thoughts do you have? Uh, I guess before we kind of move on on this one, like it, Anything else, uh, observations, anything you really liked, really didn't like on in this movie? I'm disappointed there weren't more dragons. I was gearing myself up for it. That was probably the worst part of this movie when they were like, oh, the dragon's coming. And then it was not a dragon. Yeah. That was that was definitely the worst part. Have you seen the... I think it was like 2008. Like the, I think it was Zemeckis. The CGI Beowulf. Uh, I didn't because it kind of looked crappy. I did. I so I will say like I stand for that movie. Hard. Oh, do you? Yeah, I love it. Like, yeah, I I can see like some people have like a hard time getting past like the weird like mocap faces, but like if you can get past that, like it's great action. I'll like, have some to... great fight scenes. Yeah, I'll have to give it a try because honestly, like it. it... Again, it might have been a movie that was ahead of its time. Like, I, I might have to revisit it, honestly. Because, like, when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, this... Yeah, it just didn't quite sit well with me. And I'm like, ah, I just kind of missed it. But, yeah, if you if you, if you, you vouch for it, I will probably watch it yeah. at this point. Because I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll add it to my list. That sounds fun. There's a fantastic dragon fight scene at the end, too. Oh. I'm... I mean, honestly, like, what... You know, you get a dragon fight scene, yeah. like, come on. Yeah. Uh, it's like, a, what was that movie with, uh, where they had, like, the talking dragon? Was it Dragonheart? Dragon, yeah, that was, um, yeah. yeah. That was that was one of the movies with talking dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that there were maybe a couple around that time, but yeah, there was a little bit of, like, there was that, too. Like, cause Dragonheart, when did that come out? Like, I kind of... like, it was the 90s. Yeah, it was I the think. 90s, too, because I'm like, yeah, I remember that actually being fairly big as well. Like, it didn't. Like, it's not necessarily considered a classic, but it never flopped. No. Like, that was always regarded to me as, like, all right, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to look at that. When did that come out? Yeah, because that had, I can't remember, that had, like, some decently big names. 1996, yeah, it was Sean Connery and Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, on, like, even on IMDb, it's, like, oh, yeah, six and a half stars, like, which is, honestly, on IMDb, not that bad. Yeah, like, no. Uh, oh, yeah, critics panned it, but, like, yeah, most most people liked it. Yeah. That's another good movie. It's a good dragon movie if you want to scratch that they, Oh, it had Jason Isaacs in it, too? I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then, man, I'm gonna have to go back and watch this. I remember watching it a long time ago, and I'm like, dude, this is cool. This is people fighting dragons. Yeah. Like, the dragons were a little cheesy, but, like... Yeah. Dude, I mean, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I remember, like... When I was younger, like, you know, my dad, like, 
took me to uh like Blockbuster or wherever and I like ended up renting all of like all three at the time. I think they've come out with like one or two more since. Yeah, there then. were definitely three then. There might be yeah, I don't know how many they've ended up with. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, at the time like I rented all three and like you know, just like tore through them. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, that that would that would be the one thing that could make this movie better. Otherwise, I, dude, it was it was solid. I, I don't know. Would you like double feature this with any movie? Because what would I double feature this with? I I don't know. Maybe Bone Tom. I probably would Bone Tom. That's yeah. Honestly, that was that was one hundred percent my <laughs> my like thought about it because I'm like, dude, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I was thinking like maybe the Descent. That would be the only oh, other thing, yeah. like either Descent or Bone Tomahawk. Because like Bone Tomahawk feels very much like like this movie, except it's clearly a Western. This is a this is a you know fantasy epic. Yeah. But they both have that sort of like we're going here to do this thing to kill this thing. Yeah. And save this person. Where it's not really we're not really going to save someone, we're saving an entire village, but it's thematically very similar. Um Bone Tomahawk, however, is this movie does have a lot of gore in it. Not as much as Bone Tomahawk. No. No. Not as much. But they're very similar. And I feel like, yeah, you watch Bone Tomahawk, you, then you watch this as a palate cleanser. I think it's a very good set of movies. Yeah. For you to watch. Uh, yeah, because honestly, that was 100% my answer to I'm like, yep, I'm going to pull out the Bone Tomahawk. The, the, like I said, the only other thing I could think of is The Descent because this movie did have a lot of horror in it. Yeah. That, I don't know. Again, yeah. it just... like you said, that whole like whole like section in the caves. Yeah, like when they go to the lair, like that was. Yeah, and then they and then they have to like swim out of it and everything, yeah. and it's like do. <laughs> I, my wife did the thing where she like holds her breath when the people oh, I on do screen that hold it, <laughs> I and do she's that like, she's like, they couldn't have done this. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I I did the same thing. I was like, no, I'd be dead. I'd yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I'm like, I'm just looking at my wife. And I'm like, I don't need to do this because my wife's doing it, and I'm like, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do this. I'd die. Uh, well, also too, cause I can't really swim cause I hate putting my head under the water because I'm, I have a phobia, but you know, I would just be like, all right, well I'd be the guy who's sitting back in the cave. It's like, nope, you guys go on. I'll do what I can. I'll, I'll, I'll just, just, I'll fight these, dudes. I'll fight these guys. <laughs> I'll take my chances here. I will, I will have a glorious end and see you in Valhalla. Yeah. I'll keep anyway. a seat warm for you. Yeah. So, uh, I guess to, to, to close this out, unless you have any other thoughts, uh, we rated this a tentative. I rated it a tentative 4.5. Out of five snake pliskins, you rated it a tentative three point six out of five snake pliskins. Where are we at now? I'm gonna go up to a four. Up to a four. That's pretty solid. I, I, I kind of want to bring it down a bit, but honestly, like, it's. I think I gave it the four point five because I was hoping it would be that good. Yeah. Because I was wanting it to be that good, and I think I was surprised by how good it was. I. There were some bits that just, there were some pacing issues, I will admit, uh, here and there. And I think the ending fell a little flat. Otherwise, it was a very solid movie that didn't really do anything wrong. And if you like action films, especially fantasy ones, this was, it was great. Yeah. I can't go all the way down to a four, but I, I don't think I can keep it at a 4.5. It wasn't quite that good. I think I'm going to go like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to do the... I, I usually don't do the fractional thing outside of, like, the point fives, but I think I will this time. I think I'm going to go to just a solid 4.2. Because, like, it's yeah. it's a great movie. Yeah. Like, it's got a lot of good... Th and, like, 
dude, Antonio Banderas. Like, what? Like, well, just him alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never seen a movie with Antonio Banderas in it where at least he wasn't good. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. I don't know. Do you have anything else before we before we sign off here on 13th Warrior? Go watch the movie if you haven't. If you saw it and didn't like it, uh, watch it until you do like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, you know what? We're, we're like that dad who like, all right, I've caught you smoking a pack of cigarettes. I've caught you smoking a cigarette. I'm going to make you smoke cigarettes until you can't anymore. Yeah. Here you go. So we are the da- We are the dads. Yes. Uh, and we are telling you, if you don't like this movie, keep keep smoking it until you do. Yeah. Don't stop. Yeah. And if you never do, never stop watching this movie. I'm going to go find you when you die. And I'm going to go put, I'm going to cart out one of those like 90s, uh uh you know tv sets on the rolling cart i'm yeah. gonna put it in front of your grave and it's just gonna play there so that anyone who comes by will just have to watch it when they come visit you yeah like set it in their tombstone mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep that's yeah. what's happening all right i like it cool well without any further ado i guess we'll see you next time see you next time and I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show, and I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, like that. Plus, plus at the time. He was a monster. Like that. Plus, plus at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license.